0: Well, good morning. morning. We got one holler. Hey, would you pray with me right quick before we start? God, um, God, don't let us ever try to do anything on our own. God, don't let us ever try to stir emotion in ourselves or in your people. But God, let us trust the spirit of God to do that. God, we just saying a moment ago that death is the doorway to a resurrection life. And God, while yes, that sounds so final that when we take our last breath, that that is a, a resurrection that will take place. But God, help us today as believers that when we die to ourselves, even here on earth, that that is what is the doorway to a resurrected life. And God, if we will die to ourselves today, God, we're going to walk in freedom. We're going to be resurrected in you, and it will show that to a lost world. And so, God, just give us the strength today. God, I need you today. God, shut my mouth if anything is from the flesh today. God, let your spirit speak, and God, I pray that we would receive it, and I pray that we would respond to it. And God, we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, before we jump into 1 Peter chapter 5, um, I do want to let you know that, and I probably don't need to use the word proud um, because of the scripture we're going to be talking about this morning, but I want to let you know as your pastor how proud I am of you over the last month or so. Because what we've seen happen and take place over the last few weeks is we've just simply been walking through 1 Peter And I've gotten the opportunity, our staff has gotten the opportunity to see you respond to the hard truth. And you think, well, you know, that's kind of what we're supposed to do. But you have no idea what that does for us, what that does for me. Because there's been times that I walk in, I'm not going to say fearful, but hesitant to, to, to talk about the truth because sometimes it's difficult to talk about but the way that you have responded, I can tell you that it ignites a boldness in me and it ignites a boldness in our people, in our, in our staff, that gives us the confidence to stand on the truth of God's word. And my prayer is today that you did not come to hear some easy to listen to message, but you came to hear the truth. And when we hear the truth, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we respond to the truth. I don't want you to respond to me. I don't want you to respond to worship. I want you to respond to the truth of God's word. Because you know there's freedom in that. John chapter eight, look at what it You don't have to turn there, I'm sorry I said look, but just listen. Jesus says this, if you continue in my word, continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's the word of God that sets us free. But are our hearts ready to hear the word of God? Are we ready to respond to the word of God? So we're gonna start um, by closing out today in First Peter. I hope you've been reading along with us in our soap journals up to this point. Um, we'll be starting tomorrow in Second Peter. And so if you still don't have a soap journal, I would ask you to pick one up and you can start tomorrow in Second Peter. Um, but we're gonna wrap up today in First Peter. And you know, it's gonna be a lot different today. And and there's a lot of times that when God leads me in a direction, believe me, I argue with it, I fight with it, because it makes me uncomfortable with some of the things that I feel that God lays on my heart to, to show you, and, and today's one of those, so I'm praying um, that God has his way, that all I'm supposed to do is be obedient to what he's laid on our hearts to share today, and in the format that he's laid on our hearts to share it. Because up to this point, we've really almost every week have summarized a chapter But today is uh, is the polar opposites of that. We're only gonna be looking at two verses in 1 Peter chapter five. We're only gonna look at two, I'm not gonna call them simple verses, but we're gonna look at two difficult verses. So if you've got your Bibles, and I want you to open to 1 Peter chapter five, and we're gonna read verses six and seven. Therefore, humble yourselves, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety, most of your Bibles probably say cares, but casting all of your cares on him because he cares for you. If you've read chapter five, what you've noticed is he started out chapter five talking to the elders or the leadership of the church, and then he includes the people and how the people are supposed to respond to the leadership and the elders of the church. But by the time we get down to where we're reading from today, he's addressing the entire church. He's addressing the leadership, he's addressing everyone that makes it up. And so what he's encouraging them with again is what we've heard from chapter one all the way to chapter four, is that we as believers are going to struggle, we're gonna be persecuted, we're gonna be rejected, But we're doing that because of our faith. We're going to be looked at differently because of where our faith is. And so what Peter is going to close out this chapter by doing is, again, giving us more tools and how we can fulfill this purpose of how we can make it through the struggles, how we can make it through the trials of life and how we can do that as the church together. But if you notice in verse six, this is a very difficult concept to teach on because the first thing he tells us to do as believers is to humble ourselves, is to humble ourselves. You know, as we surrender our life to Christ, as we submit to his ways, what we're doing is we are coming to him with humility. And we're saying, God, I can't do this. I'm having to trust you with that. And that is a form of humility is that we're trusting God with our lives. But you say, well, Brian, how in the world do I humble myself? How do I focus on humility? How do I humble myself? I read a quote this week and it says this, we can't become more humble by focusing on humility. It becomes pride when we think we've achieved it. How many times have we heard people say that, you know what, I'm the most humble person you'll ever meet. This humble thing, this humility, (laughs) I've got it down. I am good at being humble. You hear what I'm saying? We're boasting of our humility, so therefore we are prideful in the very idea that we're humble. So you say, well, how in the world do I practice humility? How do I walk with a humble heart? How do I walk with a humble spirit? Humility can be easiest Defined as the absence of pride. Pretty simple. Humility can be easiest defined by the absence of pride. And this is again why we love the truth of God's Word, because the way that we practice humility is to expose pride. And guess what the Word of God is so good at? It's good at exposing pride. It's good at exposing things of our life. So how do we practice humility? We pray that God exposes the pride in our lives. You know, pride is the very thing that got Satan kicked out of heaven. Ezekiel 28, 17, you don't have to turn there, I think it'll be on the screen, but in Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 17, this is a conversation that's taking place to him, the enemy. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor, and I cast you to the ground, and I put you before the kings that they may see you. See, Satan himself was using the very gifts that God had given him, not to lift up the name of God, but to lift up his own name. He was wanting all the glory that was God's to be his. In Genesis chapter three, I think it's verse five, we see that that pride was the very thing that led to the fall of man. Again, the enemy, doing what he does best, he told Adam and Eve, he said, look, if you'll just eat of the fruit, you'll have the same knowledge of God. You'll have what is God. So therefore, we see the pride welling up. They wanted what was not theirs. They wanted the knowledge of God, and therefore, this is what birthed sin in your life and my life and all of mankind. So pride is the very thing that leads to destruction. The biblical point of view, if we're talking about pride, here it is. This is it in a nutshell. Pride is our attempt to give ourselves credit for something that God has accomplished. Pride is is the attempt for us to give ourselves credit for something that God has accomplished. But where we also have to be careful with pride is that we as believers, don't attempt to do something that only God can do. That we don't attempt something that only God can do. For instance, salvation. You know, I can tell you that God is doing something absolutely amazing in the life of his church here. And it's almost every day this week, I was having or hearing about a a conversation where somebody was wrestling with their salvation Because the enemy's told them that they have the ability to please God. The enemy is a liar, he is a deceiver, and he is telling non-believers that, look, you've got to live a life up to this standard in order to make God love you. And so therefore, that is pride welling up in us because we think we have the ability to make God happy with us. We think we have the ability to make God save us. But the truth is, is when we have to die to ourselves and we come humbly before God, we're not trusting in our ability to please God, but we're trusting in the idea that God is already pleased through the death, burial, and the resurrection of his son, Jesus. It has nothing to do with us. It's about the finished work on the cross, and that is the only way we ever come to salvation. So don't have the, don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you that you can make God happy, that you can live a life, that, that God will be pleased with you. The only way God is pleased with you is by you trusting in his Son Jesus. That's it. That's it. But another way that we try to do things that only God can do is we try to gain success or we try to make a name for ourselves because we will use the very thing just like Satan did. We will use the very gifts, the very talents, the very treasures that God has given us. But what we do wrong is we use it to make a name for us. Maybe that's a business platform. Maybe that's athletic ability. Maybe that God has given you the the gift of good looks and you're using your good looks to make your name famous. But what is it that God has given you that you're trying to use what his gift is to bring glory to your name? You know where the church has to be careful? If we're not careful, we will try to make a name for ourselves in ministry. But the truth is, is I want you to hear my heart when I say this and we say it almost every week. We want God to do a miraculous work in the life of his church here at Chestnut Mountain, not so that everybody will be talking about Chestnut Mountain Church, but the reason that we want to see a powerful movement of God, the reason that we want to see people saved, that we, the reason that we want to see lives changed, is not so that people will talk about us, but we want people talking about him. I could care less if Chestnut Mountain Church is attached to anything Because if we're doing that church, what we're doing is we are in attempt trying to steal the very glory that was created for God. We don't want his glory. It's not ours. But the reason that God is doing what he's doing in the life of this church is because I truly believe he sees that our hearts are pure and that we want his name to be made famous. We don't care about a church name. But the very abilities that that you have, the very talents that you have were given to you to make him famous. But when we use it for our own glory, now we're also a thief. Now we're also stealing what is not even ours to begin with. We're an attempt trying to steal the glory of God. So those things that we try to do that only God can do is we, we try to gain success, we, we've lived in the past where we think we can save ourselves but we also find ourselves trying to find purpose or trying to find direction in our lives. You know, over the last couple of weeks, it's like every conversation that I have with somebody, it's, it's somebody who's absolutely worn out. They're weary. They're, they're struggling. They're ready to just throw in the towel. And it all hinges and it is wrapped around this idea of trying to find a specific direction or trying to find purpose for their life. Maybe they're walking through a decision time of, of some major decisions in their life or maybe they're walking through a job change or Or maybe they're wrestling, trying to find direction, trying to find the spouse that God has for them. Or or maybe it's just simply they are wrestling and struggling and battling because they're trying to find peace. They're trying to find joy. But the problem is, is their pride is telling them that they have the ability to do it on their own. The enemy is telling them, if you'll try hard enough, If you'll look over here, if you'll look over there, if you'll try this or you'll try that, you will find what you're looking for. And what we find is this is what leads to exhaustion. This is what leads to frustration. This is what leads to anxious hearts is that we're 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 basically saying our pride is telling us, you know what, God, I don't need you. I can figure this thing out on my own. I can figure this thing out by myself. I don't need your help. And you know, this week is, is I wrestled and I, and I prayed and I asked God, I said, God, what is in chapter five that you would have for your people? And and when I landed on these verses, I was like, man, how in the world are we gonna talk about being humble and, how are we going to talk about just casting all of our cares on him? And, and I began to pray that God would just make it clear to me, make it clear to me so that I could then make it attempt to make it clear to you. And so God laid something on my heart um, that I guess I would refer to as a, a modern day Parable. And I know what we're about to share with you is about as elementary and as simple as it gets. But I hope you see that by the power of the Holy Spirit, He's wanting to make something clear to somebody today. He's wanting us to show. He's wanting to show us how we humble ourselves, how He can expose the pride in our life. And so I've got a little, I guess, again, parable, if you would, and that I wanna show you this morning. And I remember that one of, the, one of the joyous things of my life as being a dad is Christmas and birthdays of when my, my kids get presents. And one of the most favorite things that I loved that when they would get would be Legos. How many of you like Legos? Go ahead and just own it. We like Legos, especially as type A people, man, especially men, we feel accomplished, don't we? It comes with instructions, dude. It tells you how to do it. but that'll preach if you'll give me just a minute. But I remember as a, as a, as a dad, I remember specifically Cooper. He's one of our twins. Cooper is now 10, and it, the story I'm going to share, I think he was in the, anywhere from five to six years old. I remember that he opened up some Legos at Christmas time, and I loved it. I remember when he used to open them up, I was like, yes! I know what I'm doing all afternoon. I knew that this was my job, this was my duty as a father, was to put together Legos. But you know what, um, But God began to show me is, you know, the moment that he would open a box of Legos, it sparked something in me. Yes, I love putting together Legos, Yes, it's therapeutic. It really is. Until you can't find a piece. And that's a whole other message for another day. (laughs) But you know what I loved most about when they would get Lego kits for Christmas or their birthday? As I know that they were about to enter into a season where they needed daddy. Where they wanted to depend on me to put this thing together for them because they're five, they're six years old. Their little brains don't work that way. And as a father and as a dad, there was nothing that made me more excited when my little boy needed me. Until one day that kind of changed. I remember at Christmas time, Cooper opened up and he unwrapped it and it was actually one that I didn't know about because we had not bought it, somebody else had and it was unwrapped and all of a sudden I went, yeah, I was as excited as he was because I never saw that gift coming and so immediately I jumped up out of the recliner and I was like, yeah, here we go and Cooper turned and looked at me and he goes, daddy, I got this. I said, okay. And we can laugh about it Can I can be honest with you. As a daddy, that hurt because my little boy didn't need me. And feeling the feet, I sat down in my chair and, and I watched Cooper make his way over to the coffee table in the living room and he spread everything out and he Opened the box and he dumped the box out. And you know, all those little individually wrapped packages of Legos, which that's cheating, by the way. Whatever happened to the old days when you just dump it out and it's a pile. And all of a sudden I watched Cooper and as a dad I had to sit and just watched him and I watched him break open every individual pack and dump it out on the table. Number one, he was doing it completely wrong, because you're supposed to keep them compartmentalized, right? You see, I mean, it's easier that way. It makes more sense. as type A people, don't mix the Legos. But as a dad, you know what I had to do? I had to love him enough to let him learn. As a dad, I knew that it wasn't going to end well. I knew that he was going to struggle. I knew that he was going to find his own, try to find his own way. But I also knew that he wasn't going to be able to do it. But as a daddy, I had to sit and I had to love him enough to watch him struggle. To watch him hurt. And so I sat there that that morning and I was sitting in my chair and as Cooper was at the, as he was at the the kitchen table, the living room table, I began to watch him trying to find all the right pieces and I began to watch him Struggling, I begin to watch him throw things out, and I begin to hear him grunting and moaning and getting just mad and angry. But the more I saw him struggle, you know what I found myself doing as a father? I find myself inching up in the edge of that recliner, and I begin to try to watch because I was saying, at any moment, at any moment he's going to turn around and ask for daddy's help. At any moment, he's going to reach out to daddy to help him. But I sat and I watched him struggle. And can I tell you, it is the most hurtful thing as a father to watch your child struggle. But I sat and I watched him say, okay, this will work. No, that doesn't work. No, this this is the right piece. No, that doesn't work. I don't understand until finally... The moment I began to slide to, my, to the top of the chair, the front of the chair, just to get a closer look, hoping that my son was going to turn and look at me, do you know what he ended up doing next that probably hurt worse? He knew daddy was looking, so what he began to do in that moment is he began to shield me out. He began to try to hide his struggle. He began to try to hide that he couldn't figure it out. And you see what you're seeing already exercised in a five or six year old is what leads us all away from the Lord. And it is pride. Because in that moment, my son wanted all the credit for putting Legos together. He didn't want the father to get any credit for it. He wanted to get it all himself. And he was willing to turn his back and walk away from me in order to achieve it. Church, how often do we do that to our heavenly father? We say, God, I don't need your direction. God, yes, I trust you that you saved me, but I've got it from here. God, I can depend on my own ability to find the right job, to find the right spouse. And again, God, I don't need you. So God, I can put thank you for saving me, Lord, by the way. But man, I can find the right job. I can ride the right career. I can find the right path. God, I don't need you. Would you leave me alone, God? I don't want you. You don't need to see this. I'm struggling. And then we turn to the very sin that Peter's been talking about that we ran back to. And now we find ourselves hiding that from the Father who loves us. And then all of a sudden, what we end up doing is going from one dead end to the next dead end to the next dead end to the next dead end because we're trying to do something that only the spirit of God can do and that's to give us peace that's to give us direction that's to give us joy but you better believe that with everything in me as a dad I wanted to swoop in and rescue my little boy But after what seemed like an eternity, watching him struggle, watching him fight, and watching him try to put all of the right pieces together, and even at times when it didn't fit, he forced it to fit. But you see what happened next is exactly what Peter is telling us as believers that we've gotta do. We've gotta humble ourselves. And so as my six-year-old bows, finally just puts his head down into feet. And literally tears begin to roll from his eyes because he knew, he knew that he had made a mess. He knew that he had made the wrong choices. He knew that he had tried to put pieces together that weren't going to fit. But what he did next was he humbled himself and he picked up this broken mess. And he made his way over to me and he laid it in my lap. And he said, Daddy, I've made a mess. Daddy, can you help me? Daddy, can you help me? You see, church, the first thing that we've got to get to even today is we've got to humble ourselves and realize that we've made a mess. Realize that we've put the wrong pieces in the wrong places. We've forced things that we want to happen, but they're not to happen. Look, I spent my whole college career doing that trying to fit things in certain ways that I thought, okay, this is the timing of life. I need to be doing this, but I was forcing things and it was not what God had for me until finally I got made a mess and I said, God, here's my mess. But you see, not only does Peter tell us to humble ourselves, but he tells us to do it under the mighty hand of God. You say, okay, well, what does that mean? Brian, I know I've made a mess. I can admit I've made a mess. But what does it mean for me to humble myself under the mighty hand of God? While humbling ourselves is tough in and of itself, This next part, to do it under the mighty hand of God, can sometimes be even more difficult. And here's what I mean. You know, as Cooper walked to me with his broken mess and he laid it in my lap, and he did, he had created a mess. Stickers in the wrong place, and that's not good either, because you know, you get them a little bit, oh, drives me nuts. But when he handed me his mess, do you think I looked at him and said, Cooper, you're a failure. Cooper, you're such a loser. Cooper, you know better than that. No, you know what I did as a father? I I took his mess and I laid it to the side. And I picked Cooper up and I put him in my lap. And I said, buddy, I'm gonna help you. We're gonna fix this. But Cooper, here's gonna be the tough part. I'm so glad that you've humbled yourself and realized you've made a mess. But if you really want me to help you, if you really want me to fix this, you're gonna to have to trust me. Because see, all along the way, Cooper's been putting all these pieces in the wrong places and he's made a mess. I'm not going to go back and just undo it all and wipe it away and give him a clean start because he's made mistakes. So I know there's going to be consequences that we all have to pay for the mistakes that we've made. But here's the beauty of a loving father. I remember I looked at Cooper and I said, okay, Cooper, if you're really going to trust me to fix this, this is going to hurt because... I'm going to have to break apart a lot of the things that you thought were right. I'm going to have to remove a lot of the puzzle pieces that you thought fit, and I'm going to have to sit them over here. What felt good, what looked good, Cooper, it didn't fit right here. And what I ended up having to do is tear apart everything that he had accomplished on his own. And I remember Cooper would even argue with me. and would say, but well, daddy, but I think that fits. No, Cooper, it don't. How much do you trust me? How much do you trust me, buddy? Are you gonna let me just keep breaking it apart? But daddy, that felt good, that looked good. That was supposed to, no, Cooper, just hush. Just trust me. But you see, what Cooper learned to do is, Cooper learned to trust his daddy to tear it apart. Cooper learned to trust his daddy to break things apart. But, but you know what I didn't do is I didn't take all of those pieces that we broke off and, and throw them in the trash can. I didn't just scatter them about because guess what? As a loving father, I'm gonna use them anyway. So I'm going to take those broken pieces that don't fit, and I'm going to orchestrate them and put them exactly where they belong, not so that it makes Cooper look good, but so that it brings glory back to the Father. So that when Cooper gets to the end, when the mission is accomplished, and we see the finished product, Cooper's going to say, you know what? Daddy had it figured out the whole time. All I had to do was trust him. You see, these are the very same pieces that created this mess. But in the hands of the father, this is the end result. But church, the problem is, is we want to keep our mess to ourselves. We want to hide the father. We want to hide them from the father. But not only do we want to hide them from the father, we want to hide them from his body that he's placed around us. The reason that we talk about community, the reason we talk about doing life together is because God's going to put people in your life to walk through those struggles with you, to walk through those seasons with you. But what we can't do as the body of Christ is to shield one another out. We've got to put it out there. We've got to let people see it. We've got to talk about our struggles. We've got to talk about our trials. But church, I hope you see that when when we're humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we're saying, yes, God, I've made a mess. But God, moving forward, I'm going to trust you with my mess. You see, you're doing the very thing that Peter's writing about in verse 7. That we're casting all of our anxiety or cares on him because he cares for us. When we give him our mess, are we going to trust him to rearrange some things, to tear apart some things, to break away some things? And today, there's no doubt that there's people here that you're wrestling with business decisions, you're wrestling with relationships, you're wrestling with with job opportunities, but can I tell you, cast all of that care on him because he cares for you. He's gonna lead you where he wants you, not for your glory, but for his. But do you trust him enough to do it? Do you trust him enough to do it? But when we cast all of our cares upon him, we're knowing, we're trusting that he cares for us, but we're also trusting the promise in verse six that in his time, in the proper time, he will exalt you. He will exalt you in the proper time. You see, God wants to finish the work in you. no matter how big of a mess you've made, no matter how many pieces that you've put in the wrong place, God is not going to turn you away, no matter how big your mess is. And what's amazing is I, I sat on the carport with a man last week who basically just preached this message. He said, I've tried this, I've tried that, I've tried this, I've tried that, but I've hit rock bottom. And what he was saying, he said, you know what? I put all the pieces in the wrong places and I've made a mess. But you know what happened last Sunday? He turned around and he said, God, I've made a mess. And you know what the Lord Jesus Christ did? He saved his soul. And he stepped from darkness to light. Not because he figured it all out, but because he trusted the Savior with his life. There's somebody here today. You've got to realize that when God's work is finished in you, that's when he'll exalt you. When God has you molded into the image of his son, when his work is done in you, that's when you will be lifted up. Because you see, that's what Jesus Christ does. In the moment, in the moment he stands, you stand before God, the savior is with you. And he says, here's here's your son, here's the finished work. This is your child. But the reason that your child stands before you is because he trusted me. He trusted me for it all. And then as the Savior presents us to God, God looks and he says, well done, my good and my faithful servant. You see, we didn't figure it all out. We just simply trusted Christ with it. And so this morning, my question to you would be, How many of you are worn out? How many of you are filled with anxiety and being anxious for what tomorrow holds and what decisions you're gonna make tomorrow? How many of you are so burdened down because you're trying to make sense of it all? And in the process of trying to make sense of it all, you've made an absolute mess. I wanna ask you this morning to humble yourself Bring your mess to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I know, I know I've messed it up. But Lord, today I'm humbling myself under your mighty hand and I'm gonna trust you. I'm gonna trust you in this season of of tearing it apart. So today I'm asking you, are you ready to surrender to his plan, to his purpose for what he's got for you? You say, well, Brian, that's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't know his plan. I don't know his purpose. Maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Here's his plan for your life as a lost person. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, Peter writes, he says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. If you're not a believer and you're here this morning, guess what? He's still after you. He's still pursuing you. He's still chasing after you because we just read it in the word of God that it's not his will that any should perish, but that all come to eternal life. No matter how big your mess is today, Jesus wants to save you. But maybe you're here this morning and you're a believer. And you wanna know God's purpose for your life. You wanna know what, it, what is God doing in you? Let me encourage you with this. He didn't save you to stop, He saved to begin a work in you. That's when it all started was it salvation. That wasn't the end, that was the beginning. So cling to this promise today, Philippians chapter one, verse six, he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've got a heartbeat in your chest and you've got breath in your lungs, God is not finished using you to bring him glory. I don't care what ditch you're in. I don't care what rut you're in. I don't care what mess you're in. But God wants to use you right where you're at. But the bottom line is today. And look, what I loved about last week was the boldness that I saw in you because we had people responding before the band ever took the stage. That's boldness. That's responding to the truth of God's word. And I wonder if there's anybody in here right now that if you're bold enough that you can bring your mess to an old altar like this and we can get humble before our church family and say you know what I've made a mess but I'm going to bring it to the altar and what I'm trusting is that when I bring it to the altar there's somebody going to meet me there somebody's going to pray with me is there anybody that's bold enough to stand right where you're at and go ahead and begin to move before we ever start is there anybody bold enough to say Brian I've made a mess and we come and throw that mess at the feet of Jesus because like what I said if We'll be obedient with what God's leading us to do. You could be holding the keys to an almighty breakout in a room like this. Is there anybody else that would say, Brian, I've made a mess and I'm bringing that mess to the altar. that'll keep you in your seat is pride. And no enemy's crawling up on your shoulder right now and he's saying, "Uh -uh. my wife, she thinks I've got it all together. My husband, he thinks I've got it all together. And if I go down, I'm going to look weak. Humble yourselves before the almighty hand Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never been saved by the grace of God. You've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here and that's you, I would ask you to be obedient and move as the Spirit leads.